Uh, if you would please turn to Judges uh, 15 and 16. That's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, we've got all of the passages that are going to be most specifically relevant to our lesson right there in your sheet. And so if you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab that sheet or you can take one of the Bibles in front of you. It's blue. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible at all, uh, take that with you, home with you. That's our gift to you. So turn there, please, and let's pray and dive in. Father in heaven, it's good uh, to be together as men this morning, uh, to be um, awoken once again to new mercies, to live now uh, in light of Easter Sunday, in light of Holy Week, as sons of the resurrection, in these 50 days of Easter, that we would um, live out of the victory that we have in Jesus. And so I pray for every man here this morning uh, that that victory would be theirs. And if anyone is here today who does not know that victory, Lord, I pray that you would show them uh, your son Jesus, even in a place like Judges of all places, and even in the story of Samson. So would you awaken us, uh, not just physically, but now spiritually, Holy Spirit, stir in our hearts Help us to understand what it means to be strong and where your strength comes from. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we weren't uh, together last week, and so um, I know that's a bit confusing. The reason why we do that is we do break for Holy Week. And so the last time that we were together uh, was a couple weeks ago talking about the story of Samson. This is now week three of looking at the story of Samson. And we're doing that not just because... His story is particularly unique or fascinating, which it is, but I think it's interesting that so much of Judges is dedicated to the story of Samson. As we've seen throughout our study, uh, there are some of the Judges that there's just a couple verses, and that's it, or just a brief mention, and yet the story of Samson spans chapters. And so we're, we're taking our time through his story because the book of Judges takes its time to tell his story. And there's so much there. Today, as we look into it, if you've grown up around church, like it is with many of the other judges, you've probably heard just a little bit of this story. And you've probably heard just enough to be dangerous. In other words, there's probably just enough that's entered into your mind and imagination about Samson that is probably not totally accurate. That as we read uh, the Bible and we read it word for word, you'll see, I always thought it was this, but the Bible actually says this. That's one error. The other error is, um, and we're going to talk about this a bunch today, that the story of Samson is so fantastic and so just incredible that you're going to be tempted to read it like a fable, like myth, because his story really is the stuff of legends. Uh, we are fascinated by strength. Uh, we are fascinated by feats of strength. I remember as a kid uh, growing up and, you know, as a kid... It's hard to remember this, but we didn't have um, TiVo. You couldn't just record things. <laughs> and you couldn't watch things on demand, which means you just watched whatever was on, <laughs> right? You have no choice. And, and I remember as a kid bored during the summer and just flipping through the channels and stumbling across the world's strongest man competition. You know what I'm talking about? And just being amazed by this, right? Um, and, and it seems actually so simple when you think about it. Like this is just innate in us, I think, just hardwired as men. It's like, hey, can you lift that? I don't know. <laughs> Let me see if I can. Can you lift it? Let's try. And, and they've done that to the extreme 
with these men who have dedicated our lives to, to weightlifting and powerlifting, except they're not just lifting weights, they're lifting cars, right? So that they'll somehow weld, you know, um, poles to the side of like a car and say, okay, you're going to get in the middle of the car. We're going to cut out the bottom and you're going to have to carry the car like Fred Flintstone down this way. And it's going to be a race, right? Or, or we're going to tie a rope to the end of a semi-truck and you're going to have to tow the semi-truck down the length of a football field, right? Or, or rather than just a power cleaning weight, we're, we're going to hand you a giant log, <laughs> And you're going to have to pick this thing up and lift it over your head. Right? It's just these amazing feats of strength. And um, it's incredible to think about um, just how fixated people get and what kind of industry this has now become. But it's, it's actually nothing new. It's really built on these old Scottish games <laughs> all the way back. Where it's like, hey, here's, here's a big sack of something. Or here's a giant rock. And just see how far you can throw that. And I bet I can throw it farther than you. Right? We are fascinated by strength. Uh, the widely recognized world's strongest man, okay, is a man named Zydrunas Savikas, okay? Of course, it, of course that's his name, right? <clears throat> and he's, uh, he's widely considered the strongest man of all time. He's won the Arnold Strongman Classic seven times. Think about that. Like, that's over like almost a decade. Like, this man's old. He's got some serious old man strength. Uh, he's got, um, let's see, the world's strongest man, which is a little bit different than the Arnold Strongman Classic, I've come to learn. Uh, he, he's won that many times as well, uh, four times, and has placed second six times. So think about that. <laughs> How many years this man has been lifting cars, you know, for show? But get this, okay, some of his heaviest lips, squatting 880 pounds for three reps. I don't know what you squat. <laughs> it's not that. He deadlifts 987 pounds. Unbelievable. And we're fascinated by it. I think not just as kids, but we're fascinated by adults as well, right? As growing into adulthood, we're fascinated by strength as well. We're fixated on it, but that strength changes. It's no longer this kind of thing like the world's strongest man, right? My dad's stronger than your dad. <laughs> Let me pick up this rock and throw it, at least not always. It's a different kind of strength that we emulate, a different kind of strength that we look up to, and a different kind of strength that I think we're all honest this morning as men, we put on ourselves. That we think particularly as men, we are to be strong. And we have to be strong. And more than that, it's not that we have to be strong. We really can't show any signs of weakness. Do you feel that? Do you feel something in you that says, look, I can't be weak and I can't show weakness. I certainly can't show weakness to my coworkers. I can't get ahead in business that way. If I show any signs of weakness, now I've got to be strong. I've got to show that I know what I'm doing, that I have it all together, Right? We feel that way if you are a father this morning, that you have to be strong for your kids, even when things are hard, to not let things get to you, not let things burden you. And we certainly think this around, if you're married, around your wife. You have to be strong for her. You can't show her that you are weak. If you're not married, if you don't have kids, right, think about the way that this plays out with your friendships, some of the closest friendships that you have. Do you really feel like that you can show any sign of weakness 
to your closest friends, particularly if they're men. We tend to look up to, we hold up to, we emulate strength. And in our culture, we devalue the idea of weakness. And and in some ways, rightly so. But it's become a point where we, we don't feel like we can be honest about the weaknesses that we have. The story of Samson is a story about strength. In many ways, it puts the world's strongest man competition to shame. And we're going to be looking at some of those famous stories of Samson this morning. But as I said, you're going to be tempted to think this is just the stuff of legend. <laughs> this is just mythology. But I want you to know this is the true story of Samson. And what's amazing is just once again, God is using a very complicated man for his purposes to bring deliverance to his people. And so this is the story of Samson. The first thing I want to do is I want to look at Samson's strength. And we're going to do that by beginning in Judges chapter 15. This is where Robbie left off a couple weeks ago. And if you remember Robbie's points, it was a great lesson. He talked about seeing. He talked about strength, right? And where he ended was talking about Samson's strength. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. And that's really the story of Judges picks up. Um, The idea of Samson is synonymous with strength. He's widely considered the strongest human to have ever lived. And you're about to see, rightly so. At the beginning of Judges 15, we see Samson, and we see that he is picking a fight with the Philistines. Now, if you were with us a couple weeks ago, you know that uh, Samson saw a Philistine woman, which, by the way, that, again, that was the enemies of the people of God, the enemies of Israel. And he sees a, a daughter of the enemy and says, I want that for my wife. And, and his parents are saying, hey, can't you pick anybody else? I mean, just anybody else, Right. He says, no, I want her. And so the story of Samson in Judges 15 picks up where he um, is looking for his wife. He's looking for his wife because he, um, we're going to see this phrase used a couple times. He wants to go into her. He wants to have sex with her. So he's looking for, he's trying to find her. His father-in-law has hidden her from him. Literally says, I I thought, Samson, you hated her. And, And so actually gave her to your friend who happened to be the best man in his wedding and Samson gets so angry that he ties torches to the tails of foxes he can't make this up and he lets them loose in the Philistines grain stores so that as the foxes are running around with fire attached to their tails and I imagine they're running pretty fast that fire is, be, is spreading all over and it's, it, they've completely set fire to all of the Philistines' grain. And he does it for revenge. Think about just for a second what it takes for a man to think that's how I'm going to get back at you for taking my wife. <laughs> what has to go on inside of you to think this, is, this seems like a good and right thing to do, but this is what Samson did. So as he's set fire to the Philistines' grain, of course, now they are livid, and they come after Samson. And so as we pick up the story of Samson fighting the Philistines, the reason why I mention all of that is you need to know this. There's something to Samson's battle with the Philistines that's not pure. It's not as if, oh, the Philistines have come after Samson because he represents all that is right and good about the people of God. No, they're coming after Samson because he literally tied torches to the end of foxes' tails and set them loose in their grain. 
That's why. And so as they come to Samson, Judges 15, 14, it's there in your sheet. This is the context. We're told that when Samson came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. You've burned down our grain. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Pay attention to that phrase. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that had been caught fire. His bonds melted off his hands, and he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. And he put out his hand, and he took it, and with it he struck 1,000 men. Notice what Samson says. With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I have struck down 1,000 men. And as soon as he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand. And that place was called Ramath-Lehi. So think about the feats of strength, the world's strongest man lifting up a car, right? Pulling a bus, deadlifting a giant log. Here is Samson killing a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. There's a reason why Samson sticks out in our imaginations because it really is the stuff of legends. And this became a story that was passed down for generations and generations and generations. You can imagine every little boy telling the story of Samson. Every little boy playing in the wilderness and finding the jawbone of any kind of dead animal, picking it up and pretending to be Samson. Why? Because it's an amazing story. But it's easy to miss what's going on underneath the story. We see Samson... Verse 18 says that he's very thirsty. He called upon the Lord and he said, you've granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. Now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? What I want you to see here is Samson's response to what has just happened. And the question I want you to begin to ask is this, where does Samson's strength come from? Where does it come from, really? Samson, in response to all that just happened, killing a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey, he, he prays. But I want you to notice just how complicated his prayer is. Notice his prayer in verse 18. He says, you have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. There is great truth, great beauty, and even a hint of humility in the first part of this prayer. Do you see it? Who does Samson give credit? Who does he give credit to? He gives credit to God. Don't miss that. It's easy as we look through the Bible to just paint with a broad brush some of the great broken men of the Bible and say, oh, well, here's, here's big bad Samson. Don't be like him. But I think we're all, if we're all honest, we know that faith is much more complicated than that. And it was for Samson. He gives credit to God. He even recognizes that it's God who is using him in order to bring salvation to his people. And this has been the theme of the book of Judges. It's happened over and over and over again. And what we see is God uses whomever he chooses to use. He uses people who we should look up to, have wonderful character, and he uses people who are so wicked and so broken and so messed up 
that we couldn't possibly hear the story and not recognize that it's God who is the one that saved his people. Once again, we see this in Samson, and Samson is giving God credit, but notice the second part of his prayer. And shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? As soon as David is giving the credit to God now, he sounds kind of like a sissy. He's whining. He's like, I'm thirsty. (laughs) And, And don't let me die here of thirst. Give me something to drink. And what's amazing is God then, in his grace, not only uses Samson to deliver his people, but he delivers Samson. And he miraculously gives him water to drink. And what I want you to notice here is just how honest Judges continues to be, not only about um, faults, but just how complicated faith can be. To say that Samson was a man who was just all wickedness and didn't have a shred of faith, I think is probably not accurate. But to also say that Samson is some great hero that we should look up to because of his inner character would also be equally wrong. Because the second thing I want you to notice about Samson and his story is that while Samson was incredibly strong, he was also desperately weak. I want you to look now at verse uh, 1 of chapter 16. Verse 1 of chapter 16, we now see Samson's deep and desperate weakness where he had great physical strength, he had no strength of character. He had no inner strength. He was incredibly weak. We're told this, verse one, Samson went to Gaza, there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. Now what I think is amazing about this verse is if you continue to read, there's really no context for why this verse would be here, at least in its immediate verses. It's just there, and then some other things happen. But I think it's there to give us just one more glimpse of the inner life of Samson. But no, no, no sooner are we reading about him defeating the Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey that here Samson is once again, seeing something with his eyes, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, and deciding, I, I want that, I'm going to have that, and now it's mine. And now it's not his wife that he's trying to now claim for his own. It's a prostitute. And I think the reason why this verse is here is it sets up what happens next. And it's the story of Samson and Delilah. Again, if you've grown up around church, this is probably the part of Samson's story that you've heard. And I want you to pay attention to the details of this story because it's probably likely that you haven't read it this close. Judges 16 verse 4. After this, Samson loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and said, seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver couple things I want you to show here. Notice, notice where Delilah's motivation is. Why does she do what she's about to do? Money. Money. 
and the Philistines know that they can get her with money. But the Philistines not only know that, but they know something about Samson. And I want you to begin to, to, to pay attention to this. They know not only of Samson's reputation of strength, but notice there's something about Samson's reputation that they know how they can get to him. Or think about what all that's just been done to them. What would be the most obvious way that you would get back at Samson for defeating a thousand of your men? Take up some swords <laughs> and go hunt them down. But that's not what they do. They know something of his reputation. They know something of his weakness. They know how to get to him. They know how to get to him through a woman. They come to Delilah and they say seduce him because they know that Samson can be seduced. Now, I don't want to over-spiritualize things in the Bible, but I want you to see how cunning, how sinister, how crafty the Philistines are. And I want you to know that Satan is infinitely more crafty and cunning. He knows, brothers, how to seduce us. He knows how to get to us. He knows our weaknesses. And whatever strength that we might want to show in our own flesh, our weaknesses are glaring. And the truth is you and I are easily seduced just like Samson. Samson, we're told in verse 7, he says to Delilah, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I will become weak like any other man. And over and over and over again, Samson gives false reasons for why he might become weak. Because Delilah, over and over and over again, is trying to figure out where his strength comes from. Over and over and over again. And all of this leads us to verse 15. Delilah is persistent. Over and over again she asks him, where does your strength come from? How might you become weak? I think it's fascinating that Samson gives her false answers. Why does he do that? He's just messing with her? No, I think it says something about where Samson thinks his strength comes from. It's complicated. Samson gives her a bunch of false answers, and then finally in verse 15, Delilah comes to Samson and says, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? What I love about that verse is how can Delilah say she loves him? She can't. But again, she knows how to get to Samson. How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these, seven, these three times, and you've not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. 
You see, I think it's interesting that Samson tricked Delilah three times and on the fourth time finally tells her where he thinks his strength comes from. Because everything that he tricks her with and finally what he tells her are very almost like legendary things. As if his strength could be found in some kind of strange magic. And in the end, I think this is part of the story of Samson that uh, sticks out to us. And if you've heard the story of Samson, you know, well, Samson was strong because he had long hair, right? And that when his hair got cut, somehow his hair was the magic power of his strength. And when his hair was shaved, his strength went with him. We think that because that's what Samson thought, that his strength was found in something physical. But that's not where his strength came from. The vow he's talking about is the Nazarite vow. It comes from Numbers chapter 6. There's three parts to the vow. I'm just going to read the one part that has to do with the head and the hair. Number 6 verse 5, all the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. He shall let the locks of his hair and of his head grow long. So take a Nazarite vow was to dedicate your entire life to God. And part of that dedication was growing your hair out in dedication to God. And it's not that Samson thought the source of his power was in his hair itself. I'm not saying that. I think there's a clue here that Samson thought the source of his power was in this vow itself. I think he knew that his power came from God. I just think he thought that it came from God because of the vow. And because out of that vow, he had dedicated his life to God from birth, his hair was a picture of that. And he thought as long as he kept that vow, that's where his strength came from. But what we're going to see in the end of Samson's story is that the strength of Samson came from God himself, not because of a vow, but because that's who God chose to use to deliver his people. And in the end, we see that this strength was a grace. So the final thing I want you to see before we go to our tables I want you to know that um, strength, strength, true strength ultimately comes from the Lord. And it's a picture of his overwhelming grace to us. Look at verse 18. When Delilah saw that Samson had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines saying, come up again for he's told me all his heart. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in her hands. And she made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. She began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had left him. I want you to go to the beginning the beginning of the passage that we had read. And if you go to the beginning, I want you to notice something in Judges 15. I pointed it out before. Notice what it says, verse 14. And when Samson came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. And then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. 
where did the strength of Samson come from? It came from the Lord. Why? Because that's what the Lord does. Over and over and over and over again, we see the strength of the Lord in the book of Judges. Using his chosen servants to deliver his people. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson. Now look again, Judges 16, verse 20. Delilah is shouting at Samson, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. He awoke from his sleep. He says, I'm gonna go out at other times and shake myself free, but notice what it says. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Where did Samson's strength come from? It came from the hand of the Lord. And the Lord removed his hand from Samson. It's tempting, along with Samson, to think, well, that has something to do with allowing his head to be shaved. But you see, I think that's just a symbol of deep down what was going on in Samson's heart. Because though he was physically strong, he was desperately weak. And he had given his heart over and over and over again to the idols of this world. For Samson, they were many. But I think we can clearly see that one of them was lust. One of them was lust of the flesh. It was sex. And he couldn't help himself. Over and over again, we see this part of his story with his own wife, with a prostitute, and now with Delilah. And notice where it says that he shared all of his heart. <laughs> his heart was desperately weak. And yet God in the end still had grace for Samson. As Samson is captured, we're told in verse 21, that the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in prison. He was forced into physical labor and they gouged out his eyes, Samson became blind. I think this is fitting because deep down this is actually exactly what Samson was. He was blind. As strong as he was, he was blind to his own shortcomings. How true is that of us? How easy it is of us to be blind to our own weaknesses. Blind because we feel like we have to be strong. We can't show any sign of weaknesses. And just like Samson, we can be blind to the places where we are most vulnerable. They gouged out his eyes, and we're told in verse 23, they decide to offer a great sacrifice to their god, Dagon. And as they do this, they call Samson to entertain them. 3,000 of them gathered in one place to worship a false god. And Samson asked that he could lean against the pillars that held up the house. Verse 28, then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then with all his strength, the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom were killed at his death were more than those he had killed during his life. 
God, out of his grace, strengthened Samson one last time so that he could topple this building and put the enemies to death. Again, it's the stuff of legend. But what you see is underneath this story, it's really a story about where strength really comes from and what it means to be weak before the Lord. Because as the story is retold in the New Testament by the author to the Hebrews, I want you to hear how the preacher talks about Samson. Hebrews 11, verse 32, the preacher says, What more shall I say? For time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Again, here we see the author of Hebrews recounting some of the judges. In particular, he points out Samson. And then notice what he says. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and notice this, were made strong out of weakness. In the end, in a moment of complete weakness, bound and shackled between two pillars, we see the ultimate power of God through Samson. Blind, his eyes gouged out with no strength left in his physical body, God gave him the strength to defeat his enemies once and for all. Why? To show us where true strength comes from. That it is when we are weak that the Lord is strong. It's one of the great principles of the Bible and one of the great hallmarks of the gospel. That Jesus Christ, our King, in great weakness, hung naked on a cross to sacrifice himself for you. So that through the weakness of that moment of Jesus Christ, you and I might be made strong. That through Jesus' death, our sin would be put to death. So that in his victory over death, you and I might have victory as well. And so as you go to your tables and you consider the story of Samson, don't be tempted just to be amazed by his feats of strength. But I want you to look into the Samson's inner heart, the heart that he shared with Delilah. I want you to see just how complicated his heart really was. I want you to begin to be honest about how complicated your heart really is. The places that you feel like you need to be strong. And the places where perhaps this morning you need to finally be honest about your weakness with other brothers and to see that in those places of weakness, that is where we need the death and resurrection of Jesus the most. Let me pray for you. Father, the story of Samson in many ways is almost distracting to us because it is so incredible. And so I pray that you would help us this morning as we talk about it together. Help us to remove the distractions and help us to see the story underneath the story. Help us see what you would have for us this morning, Holy Spirit, that so much of us is a facade as men. Help us to be honest about our frailty and our weaknesses. Help us to see the places in our heart that we need your strength the most. Would you do this now in Jesus' name, amen.